Welcome to Rulebenders, brought to you by Samsung Galaxy. I'm Alexis Fernandez, and in this podcast, I meet the mavericks, the innovators, the rulebenders who are defying conventions, shaking up the status quo, and redefining what's possible. In this episode, we're going to explore the rule women can't be funny. And there's also this thing of like, if you can't fit in with the boys, then like you kind of didn't want to do comedy. Like, you know, you kind of had to learn to make those same jokes and learn to like be part of the boys club. Otherwise, like you weren't accepted and it was really hard for you to like rise the ranks or just go to gigs or even get gigs in the first place. The war between the sexes is certainly nothing new. And perhaps nowhere have the battle lines been more starkly drawn than in the world of entertainment. What wows and thrills us hasn't always been as important as who is doing the thrilling. And for comedians, it's long been perceived that unless you're a man, you may as well just give it up before the punchline. Thankfully, the rule that women can't be funny is fading away. But it's left a mark on the stand-up circuit that's a tougher stain to remove. The sad state of affairs is that comedy is a boys' club and women and non-binary funny people are not welcomed in some spaces. Luckily, things are changing. And that's largely because of women like my guest today, who is killing it, one gag at a time. Okay, so today I'm talking with Nina Oyama, a stand-up comedian, and we're going to be talking about bending the rule, women can't be funny. Hey, Nina, how's it going? Hello, how are you? Yeah, good. I'm excited about this chat. This is going to be awesome. Me too. Oh, sorry. Am I supposed to say stuff there? No, that's fine. Oh my God, I've stuffed up already. <laughs> Women, they can't be funny. They can't be smart. They can't respond to questions. How do we do it? How have we, we made just, it this far? We just stand there and laugh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So have you ever thought, like, did you ever carry the belief that women weren't funny or that men were funnier than women? Oh, um, I reckon I did. I think unconsciously. I mean, I mustn't have believed it because then I would never have gotten on the stage. But I do think unconsciously I, I had a bias. Like I was a total misogynist. Yeah. I think mm. my thing was all women are not funny except for me, who is hilarious like a man. Like I think that when I was a teenager, that was definitely my mindset. But now I don't believe that at all. No, no. If anything, I think women are funnier. <laughs> I love that. So you started out trying out stand-up comedy pretty young. What kind of teenager were you to get on stage and have a crack at it? Because I think it takes like a pretty unique personality to do something like that. Yeah, so I started stand-up when I was 17 years old. Like that was the first time I did my very first open mic. And I think I was a really like attention-seeking teenager, but I was also really depressed. I mean like all teenagers are depressed, but I was like (laughs) – I'm depressed and I I don't know, I'm so depressed that I want to get on stage and, like, have people listen to me. Like, that's pretty fascinating that you would, like, it's quite impressive that, A, you're 17, B, you're depressed, and then your kind of response to that is get me on a stage. I love that. Like, it's really unique, I feel. Yeah, well, I think that when you're 17 or when you're a teenager generally, like, for me personally, the way I sit is, like, I just felt no one was listening to me. I felt like I didn't really belong anywhere. Like, my parents wouldn't listen. My teachers wouldn't listen. Like, my friends wouldn't listen. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to get on stage and I'll have a microphone and 30 people have to listen to me. Like, it was like this... 
you know, this reaction to not being heard, I think, as like a Like, get on a stage and listen to me talk. Yeah. Yeah. That's. I think that's awesome. And because, like, for me, when I was growing up, I don't remember that many women doing stand-up comedy. I don't know if you do, but for you, what were the comedians that you were a fan of growing up? Was it women or men or both? No, so I, I'm the same. Like, I remember there wasn't a whole bunch of women doing stand-up at the time. And, like, the comedy that I was consuming as a child was definitely, like, very male-orientated. Like, I mostly listened to comedians like uh, Patrice O'Neill and, like, mm. Louis C.K. and a lot of people that have been, like, retroactively cancelled because of their, like, attitudes towards women or the way they treated women. Mm. But, um... When I was 17, like, you could type in stand-up comedy into YouTube and there were, like, seven videos. Or maybe not seven, but it felt like there were very few videos. And maybe, like, of all those videos, there were, like, Mm. two or three that were women. It's not like we have Netflix now where you can go and there's so many comedy specials and there's so many women. It was, like, you go onto YouTube and there's, there's like, a wasteland. Like, there's nothing. So... Going in, like going back to your early gigs, were there many other women when you started out that were starting at the same time as you? There weren't a lot of women my age. I was definitely the youngest girl at any gig, um, and more often than not, I was the only woman on the lineup. So it was it was pretty rare to have more than one more than one lady on a on a mixed comedy bill. Do you think that was a good thing being the only female at the time, at least, or did you prefer it when there was another woman in that lineup? I I got really stressed out when there were two women on the lineup though, um, because I think when you're the only woman on a lineup, like you speak, you it's really bad because firstly, like if you're a woman in comedy, like in an all male lineup, everyone in the audience assumes that you're going to be bad, mm. and so there is this kind of already pre-existing like prejudice when you get out on stage. But if you push past that and you are successful and do really funny jokes, then the audience is like, oh, like she's not bad for a woman. Which at the time, like which now I'm like that's a horrible negative thing to think but at the time you're like I'll totally. take it you know it's a compliment yeah, at the time like and hey as long as you liked me that's all <laughs> yeah that's all I need that's all the validation I need I'm being heard um but then when there were two women on the lineup it was kind of like one woman would be like the sh- the bad woman so I won't swear but there would be yeah. like the bad woman and the good woman right and so I think like it became very competitive if there was another woman it would I would be like I have to be better than her I don't care if I'm better yeah. than any of the other male acts like I specifically have to be better than the other woman and w- do you think that that could be why there weren't that many women in comedy in the first place because there was that kind of like almost a barrier to entry? Yes and no. I think that like the scene uh, when I was coming up was very different. Like it was a very masculine, misogynistic scene. Like obviously because mm. the comedy we were consuming had all these like jokes about women and then also the way that like male comedians would approach like young women was kind of toxic. Like there was a lot of you know, they would always, like, hit on you. Or I remember when I turned 18, it kind of felt like there was this countdown timer on my head until when people were, like, legally allowed to try and sleep with me. And that was... Yeah. Uh, at the time, I was like, I'm so powerful. Like, all these 40-year-old men want to have sex with me. And now I'm like, oh, I totally misread that situation. Like, this was them kind of preying on... Like, for lack of a better word, like, they, yeah. you know, did have the power in that situation and I was a teenager. And you were a teenager and, it yeah, and it's kind of... I mean, I'd like to think it's changed, but it's just creepy and wrong. But I think, yeah, yeah. When, you're, when you're just so young in that industry and you are one of the only females, it probably does yeah. feel like that. And there's also this thing of, like, if you can't fit in with the boys, then, like, you kind of didn't want to do comedy. Like, you know, if you, you kind of had to mm. learn to make those same jokes and learn to, like, be part of the boys' club 
Um, otherwise, like, you weren't accepted and it was really hard for you to, like, rise the ranks or just go to gigs or even get gigs in the first place. So what would you say were some of the, like, ma- main experiences for you that you personally faced as a woman starting out, like, good and bad? I think I was uh, lucky in some ways that I got to start young because, like, if there's a young woman on the scene and you're the only, like, teenage girl on the scene, uh, people know who you are very quickly because they're like, oh, there's this teenage girl and she tells jokes and she's good Mm. or she, you know, made it to the next round of this comedy competition and there was, like, a lot of awareness of me, which I think um, helped me stand out by being one of the few women. Um, And the flip side of that is that I think, like, I did experience a little bit of predatory behaviour, as all women have in every industry, and maybe, like, wasn't super equipped to deal with that at such a young age. But I think on top of that, like, because of the men that I hung around and the comedy that I was consuming was inherently misogynist, I think I had, like, internalised misogyny. And I was like, I'm not like the other girls. Like, Mm. I was like, I can drink beers. (laughs) And, yeah, do you You feel like that was more so a thing when you're younger or do you think that's prevalent? Um, Always. I think it's something that's still prevalent in me now, which I'm trying. Mm. I'm, I have kind of recognised it definitely in, like, the last five years when basically, like, I was in comedy from, like, Sydney comedy, doing gigs, like, every single night from ages 17 to 21. And then I was 21, I went to university in a regional town and kind of stepped away from the Sydney scene for a little bit. And when I came back in 2016, there were a lot more women. And so there wasn't this, like, desire to be, like, the only woman in the group, you know, it was it was more about like fostering right. other female friendships with other female comedians. So, okay, so you left at 21, you left. Why did you leave to study? What were you studying? Uh, I was studying theatre at Charles Sturt University in Bathurst. And did you, did you like that? Did you miss comedy? What were you? I think I just felt very young and very unprepared for the industry. So when I was 19, I actually started writing for TV. That was my very first writer's room. And again, like, I think it was me and one other girl. And it felt like we were always being talked over in this writer's room. And like our ideas weren't really being heard. And so I actually went to university because I was like, I want to learn how to be a better writer. What I should have thought was I want to learn how to, you know, butt up against these guys in these writer's rooms. But what my brain internalized was that I wasn't good enough and so that's why I went to university because I was I was kind of like I can learn these uh specific skills that will make me undeniably good for tv writing but I remember in the room like I was actually you know I felt like I wasn't being heard but because I also over prepare and I'm really anxious about everything um I brought like 40 pages of like notes on the show it was the sketch show and I bought like all these I printed out and written down all these sketch ideas and I actually took a um took aside one of the head writers and we went through all the sketch Mm. ideas together and he was like I understand that you're not feeling confident in the room but these sketch ideas are really good and so I was ended up being asked to write on the tv show which a lot of the men in the room didn't end up doing so it was kind of huge yeah it was very validating that's amazing yeah okay so you left for uni and then you came back and you re-entered and you said that it was different so what was it like to re-enter the comedy scene after being those like a couple of years away what do you think was the main few things that had changed for you Yeah, I think, like, I had grown up significantly. So, like, instead of being surrounded by people that were 20 to 30 years older than me, I was around people my own age for the first time Mm -hmm. and really, like, learnt to value those connections. I also went to a theatre school, so, like, it was actually majority women because I think, like, I don't know, for some reason women 
women be doing theatre? Um, yeah. Especially in Bathurst. Like it was, I think there was like 90%, it was like 80% women, 20% men, like the male to female ratio really? was so different. Yeah. So I actually right. like had a lot of female friendships. Totally. And so I think there was something about like learning a lot about myself in those three years um, that I actually came back to Sydney and the comedy scene and I was more, like I knew myself a lot better and I also kind of understood mm. and had reassessed the dynamics of the people that I was hanging out with um, from ages 17 to 21. So you were able to approach it differently? Yeah, like I didn't really reconnect with those people as much like and I wasn't going out drinking with all the comedians like I was very much like I'll come I'll do my set I'll stay for a short while um and then I'll go home but when I was coming up when I was like 17 I started off as a ukulele comedian which is fine no like no judgment to people that currently do music comedy or ukulele like good on you um but it's something that I moved away from but because I was up there in my like you know my long brown hair and my little ukulele singing songs, I was early on compared to Jen Fricker, uh, but in a way that was really mean to me. Like I remember one of the people in the cool comedy boys clique said that I was the uglier, less funny version of Jen Fricker. And instead of hating that guy, for some reason my brain was like, you must hate Jen Fricker. And so I internalised this entire competition in my brain Mm. with Jen Fricker, who now we are, like, quite good friends. And we actually had a really good talk about all this stuff. Yeah, and about, like, the way that we... She was not in competition with me. I think I, like, was not even on her radar. But she was pitted against other women that were coming up at the time. And we both had these very similar experiences where we were made to compete with people that were specifically young women that were our age. Yeah. And you do, you feel pitted against each other and, and it feels like this almost like an aggressive competition even if they don't even know you or they don't even dislike you and you feel Yeah, this, and you've created this yeah. like tension. And I remember I told, I think mm. like when I was like 20, I tweeted something mean about Jen Fricker and she was like, I saw that tweet and I was like, why does Nita hate me? And at the time I just like assumed that she must also hate me because, mm. you know, we were in this competition. But in reality there was no competition. Like it was entirely in my head. So in addition to all of that, when you came back, how do you think your relationship to other women within comedy changed? Well, I think when I came back, I was 23. And by the time you're 23, like, I think a lot more 23-year-old women were entering the scene when I came back to Sydney. And so, yeah, I think it was just kind of this virtue of having people my own age and my own gender that made me realise, like, I didn't have to hang out with this, like, cool clique of boys or whatever. But also the fact that, like... I think slowly I realised, like, those boys were not... They weren't successful. God, that's going to sound so rude. But they weren't people that were, like, rising the ranks of the Australian TV industry or the Australian comedy industry. They were staying very much in the same place. And when I came back to Sydney and I had, you know, a few TV writing credits under my belt, I'd just done the Melbourne Comedy Festival with Comedy Zone. So I was very, like, validated in my own skills as a stand-up. And I had Mm. a lot of people watching me. And I had also done, like, a TV um, stand-up comedy spot with SBS. And so... I kind of was like, oh, well, my career seems to be going to a place that they weren't able to gatekeep. And so I therefore I didn't have to pay lip service to them in the same way that I previously did. Totally. And I also think the structure of the way comedy bookings um, was very different. So when I first started out, it was like there were maybe like five or six nights and there was like one person that would run each night that was usually a man and you would have to go to that night, not do a gig and basically keep going to those nights until one of the bookers gave you a gig. And so it was very much about interpersonal Mm. relationships on that level. Whereas when I came back to Sydney in when I was 23, they had 
uh, started this thing called sign-up nights where if you just got to a place first, you put your name on a list and you would get automatically four minutes mm-hmm. of stage time. And that meant a lot of women would come at whatever, 6pm, they would put their names down and they would instantly get a gig. Yeah. And so it wasn't through this like filter of men deciding whether you were funny or not. Yeah, no, but exactly what you're saying on that. Do you think that when you were aspiring to be a comedian, when you were starting out a lot younger, do you think that you were kind of aspiring to be like the male comedians versus like the female comedians? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I didn't want to be like female comedians. Mm. I think I wanted to be like some female comedians, but I think I had that masculine attitude, which is like, oh, women just talk about their periods. And you're like, oh, women's always just talk about being a mum. <laughs> like, you know, I had this like very narrow yeah, idea. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I'm never, ever going to talk about those things because, you know, I want to impress the boys. I don't think yeah. I make period jokes now. I actually think more men make period jokes than women, to be honest, because I do think women do have that. Um, I think so. Yeah, we have that fear. We're like, well, we don't want to be the period girl, so I think we kind of stay away from that. But I think now I think I definitely make jokes that are a lot more to do with like my experience as like, a young woman who's like bisexual or half Asian. Like I very much make jokes about this specific mm. experience and then hope people can relate from their own angles rather than being like, hey, boys, <laughs> how, how dumb are girls? No, yeah, definitely. Know. But I do think it takes a specific kind of person to want to try stand up in the first place because I think you need to be deluded. Like, you need to think that you're funny. And I think that because of that, I have this theory that, like, all comedians want to be rock stars. Like, comedians are just, like, musicians who couldn't quite make it work and then they're like, oh, I'll just, <laughs> I'll just make my personality really funny or whatever. Or, or they have this um, grand idea, I think, because of, like, Bill Hicks and, like, Sam Kinison and, they like, the the roots of those uh, men that are almost like grand philosophers of their time. Mm. I th- and I think even now we see like Trevor Noah, he did, he does these like great philosophical speeches that deconstruct social systems. And so mm. now there's this kind of preacher is the wrong word. Cause I don't see comedy as like a necessarily religious experience, but I do think there is this like intertwining of like comedians are the new philosophers. And I think that combined with that yeah. rock star persona, um, that is associated with musicians. I think that, like, you hear about rock stars and the way they attract groupies and, like, treat women. I think that, like, a lot of comedians want to be that. And I think that, like, yeah. that they do, you know, they, they do have part of their brains, like, I want to get all these women and sleep with them and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And I think when, you know, that comes into play, there is all these questions around power dynamics and, like, yeah, further than that, like, issues with consent and all that other stuff. It's like this heightened sense of self and so they think that they, you know, they're above the rules in a way. Yeah, I, I do think that. But they're not. <laughs> but I'd say now is like the best time to be a woman in comedy because you can get up at a female-only comedy night, which is really nurturing, and then you can get up at a queer comedy night, which is really nurturing. Like, I don't know, it's, it seems as if there's more support, especially like internally with other women. I hope that's the case. I That's what I feel personally, but I'm also in a different position, which is like I've done TV work and I, you know, have done the comedy festival scene and done Just for Laughs. And so I, my status is like a lot higher than if I were to be a 17-year-old starting out now. But um, from what I can see is it's it's changed a lot. And I hope that that's true. And there's more women, There's at least that we can see, there's more female comedians yeah you know even on the just for last when you you know you said there's so many more still not as many as men but I think you know compared to when I was a child growing up there's definitely more yeah also because of how social media works it's so much easier for an audience member like myself to find 
female comedians that really resonate with me and I follow so many and I, you know, even on TikTok and whatever and it's just crazy how the industry has evolved for them to be able to just like reach their whole platform just from their home. Yeah, Yeah, I think so too. And I think it's overall very positive. It is, yeah. So what's the scene like now in Australia? Um, I think it's much better. I think Australia speaking, I can't really speak to Australia specifically. I know Melbourne, they really value parity. And so there's a few um, nights where they're really stoic about having like 50% women Mm. and non-binary and 50% men. In Sydney, I've kind of noticed a weird bubble effect where we have a lot of female non-binary only comedy nights. We have a lot of queer comedy nights, which tend to be filled with women Mm -hmm. and like queer males and then we separately we then have like other open mics that are majority men do you think that's a good thing i think it's good and i also think it's bad because i think that it creates a separation um but i think the audiences and the comedians that perform at those nights are so vastly different and i think like comedians that have you know, cracked the big time or become more popular are people Mm. that actually can transcend both of those audiences. And so I think that those... Totally, totally. The kind of, like, people that are on the broader end of the spectrum are the ones that end up crossing the lines a bit more and end up being more successful because they have more of a universality. Totally. And they also have the skill. Mm. I remember when I was little is that I did so many gigs where people just hated me, like, that you could just, like, tell. You just, like, get up and you know that they hate you and it's your job as a comedian to, like, turn them around and make yourself likeable and make yourself lovable and even if they don't laugh at your jokes, you want to know that they don't hate you. They don't you. hate you by the And age. I think there's a skill in that ability, which is, like, crowd work or, you know, just, like, uh, improv, I guess, and the way that you can command a room that doesn't belong to you um, and the ability to turn that around, which I actually think is an art that's probably being lost if you strictly just do the one kind of mm. night, whether you are an incel or, like, a queer person or a woman or an non-binary person. Like, I think that, yeah, that art is being lost because people don't want to step out of their bubbles. Definitely. Do you think that men in comedy could be doing more to make the scene more equal and welcoming for women? Probably. I don't really do the hang anymore. So I think, like, I'm not really – I dip in and out. Like, I, I get there, I do my set, I, maybe I watch a few people and then I leave. Like, I don't hang out as mm-hmm. much, so I'm, I'm not – I can't really speak to the environment um, in that regard. But I do think that there is – especially men that have power, I think there's, like, this uh, responsibility to, you know, stop taking up so much space yourself and, like, elevate female acts. And I see a lot of famous men doing that and mm. I am like, thank you so much, this rules – And I also, I think, like, you see men do, like, jokes. I saw one guy do jokes about pronouns the other day and how, like, people that put pronouns in their bio are, like, self-congratulatory. And I was like, that's not exactly right. And he couldn't understand why the audience wasn't laughing. It was actually very funny. Um, And he, like, immediately freaked out. (laughs) But I I think that they do build this mindset around what is funny and, like, what is not and what is PC and what is progressive and what is wokeness. Like, I think that there's a lot of cachet Mm -hmm. to these young men and being, like, edgy and deliberately offensive that I think is, like, not funny. Like, anyway, but I do think those men, they get into these mindsets where they're like, I know know what's right to say and I know what's wrong to say and, and then they don't listen to the way that they're jokes are affecting people or the fact that their jokes aren't funny or landing and they won't blame themselves like they'll blame the audience so they'll blame the audience or they won't take the feedback or they won't read the room yeah yeah and it's just like bro just like step outside yourself and then write a better joke (laughs) like it's not that hard (laughs) to write a punchline 
That's so good. I love that. Just be funny. I think men should just learn to be funnier and (laughs) if they did, comedy would be a better place. Like, sorry. (laughs) Just be funny. (laughs) Simple solution. I've actually learned so much from you on this chat. That's been really, really cool and it's been a great insight to hear your perspective from like from 17 versus, you know, 23 and now I think it's it's really cool and I think the listeners are going to absolutely love what you had to say. So thank you. Oh, thanks. Cheers. Thank you for having me. The rule that women can't be funny may have been knocked down long ago, but it did leave barriers to entry that women like Nina have had to break through to feel safe and welcome on stage. Not only has Nina seen through her own internalised misogyny towards women in comedy, but she also realised that women are stronger together and funnier than ever. And that's no joke. If today's podcast has brought up any feelings for you that you're concerned about or you're worried about someone you know, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14. On the next episode of Rule Benders. Neither Bryce nor I studied finance or anything like that and worked in the industry. Um, you don't have to be an expert in that sense. You do have to do the work. Like You do have to know what you're putting your money in because it's your money at the end of the day. But there's so many resources out there. You can become informed enough to invest yourself. From Samsung Galaxy, this has been Rule Benders. My name is Alexis Fernandez, and thank you for listening.